I'm Tavi Black. And I'm Christine Young. And this is The Personal Element. Where we listen to an essay we love and then discuss what makes it so good. This month we're discussing Janice Northern's essay, Something Like Love, which was published in Yellow Arrow Journal. Something Like Love. Daddy sat in the kitchen, waking enough from his brain's oxygen-starved doze to tell me a joke, a groaner I'd heard before from his collection of cliched and sometimes politically incorrect stories. Did you hear that the Pope has bird flu, he asked, caught it from one of his cardinals. A few days before, my brother had called. He's going downhill fast, he said. Should I come? I don't know. I can't tell you, but... I don't think he's going to make it till Thanksgiving. My father's trips to the hospital had suddenly become a weekly event. Each time, the doctor administered heavy doses of Lasix to drain the fluids Daddy's heart could no longer pump. He'd then come home for a few days, the fluid would build up again, and the cycle would repeat. After my brother's call, I made the six-hour drive from Kansas to our farm in Texas. Daddy was out of the hospital for the moment, and I watched what had become his morning ritual. He'd step on the scale and weigh himself, the number creeping up a pound or two each day, feet so swollen that the skin stretched, paper thin, like balloons ready to burst. The blood pressure cuff came out next. Daddy recorded that day's measures in a spiral notebook in handwriting so shaky it was barely legible handwriting that someone once told me looked like mine, but it was the other way around. My handwriting looked like his. That weekend, the man I watched was not the invincible father I remembered, the man who had fractured his back but survived when he rolled a tractor, the man who nearly severed his foot with a pickaxe while splitting a stump but walked without a limp. The man who sauntered back to the house like nothing was wrong the day he'd fallen out of a pecan tree and suffered a cerebral hemorrhage. That father kept telling jokes, bluffing his way through mishaps, and telling doctors that he beat his wife up every day, meaning he got up before she did in the morning. That Saturday in October, though, he was not yet awake when I tiptoed into the kitchen before dawn to start the coffee. I flipped on the light and my breath caught. Mama had laid everything out for Daddy's breakfast on the table, anticipating his beating her up. Bowl and spoon, packet of maple and brown sugar instant oatmeal, the cheaper store brand, a buying habit ingrained by years of living from bank loan to bank loan on our small farm. There was also a box of prunes, a cinnamon sugar shaker, generic vitamins, and a plastic container of shelled pecans, pecans he had picked from his own trees earlier that autumn. His tumble from one of those trees years ago had not dissuaded him from climbing ladders. This scene, breakfast laid out for my father down to the tiniest detail, something I'd never known Mama to do, is what broke my heart that first weekend I was home. How tenderly she eased his way with acts like this, he who now stumbled, sleepwalking, through the last weeks of his life. I'd once thought my father's death wouldn't bother me much. He was 91. He had lived a long time. 
and more to the point, the parent I was closer to was my mother. I regarded my father as an egotist, a shallow man whose conversation consisted mostly of corny one-liners and biblical exhortations. He and I disagreed about religion and politics and most everything else. But now I found, watching my father disappear before my eyes, that it did bother me. But why? I'd been gone from home for 30 years. I visited several times a year, but in between, my mother was the one who had stayed in touch with frequent letters. In them, she wrote news from home, sent birthday checks, asked questions, and made comments about the grandkids and my life. In contrast, the letters from my father were rare and consisted solely of Bible verses and admonitions to get right with the Lord. Over the next six weeks, I came home each weekend and watched, stunned, as my father became slack-jawed and sunken-eyed, his skin yellowing because of his failing liver and kidneys. His hospital gown gaped open as he sat on the bedside toilet. When he asked me to help him back to bed, I saw my father's sagging backside for the first time. I drove home to Texas on the last day of his life and sat by his hospital bed with my mother. My brothers were on their way. His breath came in ragged gasps now with long pauses in between. The doctor told us gently, this sound, this death rattle meant it was almost time. He waited for you to get here, Janice, my mother whispered. My mother held him and cried on one side while I held him and cried on the other side as daddy gurgled, gasping for breath, until finally he was gone. Most of those last weekends are a blur now, but what has never faded is the piercing grief I felt that first visit when I stumbled into the kitchen in the pre-dawn dark and discovered the bowl, the spoon, the oatmeal, that simple morning still life my mother had laid out for my father, and with it, my realization that he was dying. Today, I think about that man whom, truth be told, I didn't like very much. As the years have passed since his death, I find myself examining his life by writing about it. I write about his hardships growing up poor with a stern father who made him cut his own switches for whippings, who made him work on Christmas Day, and to whom words of love did not come easily, just as they did not come easily to my father. Writing about him has freed me from resentment and has opened a space in my heart for understanding. I recognize now what I felt for him in that surge of grief that overwhelmed me that October morning. To my surprise, it was something a lot like love. So Christine, this was a sweet and sad essay that you found for us to talk about. Yeah, it is. You know, I think I was particularly drawn to it because my father passed away uh, two years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, not from COVID, from cancer. Yeah. So I was definitely drawn to the subject matter. And then I also really liked the her writing and um, and the, the way that she kind of drew drew pictures with her words, which we could talk, you know, more about the specifics. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I really liked about this essay as well. It's just going back to the subject matter, and it's interesting how we choose our essays, our process. Sometimes it is about the subject matter, or we don't take one because we've done something in a similar subject. So much of what we read and what we talk about in our lives really has to do with you know, what's going on in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. On the, on the podcast and in our lives. And I think about, you know, the charities I give to, well, it's something that's touched my life, you know? And so for this, the essay, my parents are still alive. And so for you, this was something that was more, not more touching because it's a touching essay, no matter who reads it, but it was just more, um, I guess, maybe poignant and Mm -hmm important to you to talk about this subject. Yeah, you're totally right. And it also makes me think then about like the process for other venues, like journals and um, even agents and things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, whether obviously part of it is your talent as a writer, but I wonder if part of it too is like an agent might take something because they've been touched by that topic that Mm -hmm. you're writing about. It's so subjective. Yeah. And being on this end of the process in terms of like, we're the gatekeepers for this podcast, (laughs) it does make me think more about when I'm submitting and getting rejected. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It was them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Well, back to the essay. I don't mean to hijack this conversation about something like love. Um, It really was a beautiful essay. Yeah. I think we should talk about the language because it's really strong here. Yeah. My kind of overarching theme of my comments are just the specifics that she um, she gives throughout the essay and the, the way that she draws the scenes is it's really, I'd say it's like more fiction like in that it, you know, a lot of times essays are more kind of the person's thoughts and them struggling through yes. a concept. And this is more like she gives us these little vignettes of what was happening at different times and then discusses what it means to her. Um, mm-hmm. But she really draws the pictures very well. She does. I love in particular for me, I think it's the fourth paragraph um, where she talks about his feet so swollen that the skin stretched paper thin like balloons ready to burst. Yeah. Yeah, I had that whole paragraph highlighted too. It really, you know, we know that her dad is sick at this point, but that really kind of explains to us what what she was seeing in the moment, which is so hard to see someone, even if you have a complicated relationship, someone that's been such a important figure in your life to, you know, be do, getting something like these pounds of water that are accumulating in his body. And you know, that can't be comfortable. And also it's such a sign that, you know, something's going wrong. Right. It's the shaky handwriting too. For me, it reminded me of my great grandmother when she got older and I'd get these notes from her. And there is something about shaky handwriting that just tells you so much. It's one little image we see the handwriting so shaky. It was barely legible, but, oh, we know everything Mm -hmm. so much about that person in just that line. Yeah. And I love the the, what she was kind of struggling with at the end of that paragraph, the somebody saying that his handwriting looked like hers. And she's like, no, it's mm-hmm. the other way around. I'm the one who came from him. I love that, you know, just that thought about, are you like your parents or are your parents like you? <laughs> she does a lot of nice, subtle work like that throughout this essay. Mm-hmm. In the next paragraph, she 
really just tells us so much about her dad in just in such great sentences about um i remember the man who'd fractured his back but survived when he rolled a tractor i mean just this list of things he severed his foot with a pickaxe and walked without a limp like she really uses those specifics really well to draw a picture of like this super hardy kind of stoic man Mm -hmm. and she could have used each of those as a separate image but she didn't she crammed them all together into one paragraph a couple of sentences that's like boom here's who this man was now mm-hmm. you know him mm-hmm. yeah and I just have to say at the end of the paragraph that joke about beating his wife I was like oh my god um, <sighs> but I was so glad that in the very beginning of the essay she warns us that like her dad made these inappropriate jokes so then when an inappropriate joke comes up at least you're like okay she knows this is not a good yeah. like <laughs> it was a that was an interesting line for me coming from the background of mm-hmm. I used to work in anti-domestic violence and you just nobody there laughed about beating your wife jokes right it's exactly it's it's not funny and and so I knew what she felt like here Mm -hmm. I was like oh yeah here's somebody close to you who you love you know in a really complicated way and and we all have those people in their lives our lives right and you're like do I make them happy by chuckling at his really bad joke or not I, yeah, it reminds me when my father was in the hospital right before he died, he was born 80 years ago. It's a totally different time. And so he was like flirting with the nurses. And I was like, I was like, they're just trying to do their job. Like, you know, don't, don't make them uncomfortable. Like, and I'm sure they're, you know, I'm sure they're totally used to this, but like, but it was so cringy for me as a woman to be like, you know, they just want to, they just want to take care of you and they don't want to hear how you love the way they look or whatever, or whatever it is. Like, um, God. so I totally related to this because yeah. And, and again, like, you know, I was, uh, I didn't say anything because I was like, you know, he's really sick. I'm not going to start picking yeah, apart, um, right. his, you know, ethos, but, but it was really hard for me as a f- woman, as a feminist, um, to not, you know, to not be like, please, please stop. <laughs> right. And so that, that, brings to this uh here's the dilemma and this is the kind of great stuff to put in literature right like here's a moment where you're like you know that you should never let somebody get away with bad jokes and laugh and go along with it but what about if your father's on his deathbed mm-hmm. like is that the place to say you can't say that kind of thing and pick a fight right oh I think Christine now you know that that moment has to go into some kind of writing that you <laughs> Yeah. But Janice has done that for us here in this essay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And she did it so well. Yeah. Sticking with the idea of the details and the scenes that she creates, the one about the, her mom laying out the table for her dad was so sweet. And again, the specifics there, like she could have just said, he laid out everything on for daddy's breakfast on the table and left it at that. But instead she draws out the specifics to really kind of make it clear how important this was like the bowl and spoon the packet of maple and brown sugar oatmeal yeah i love that stuff by the way that maple and brown (laughs) sugar it's so bad for you probably Mm -hmm. it's really good but it really did you know make me see it i know that packet i know what that looks like and a box of prunes the pecans 
you know, mm-hmm. pecans that he'd picked from his own tree. I also highlighted that paragraph. So in the next paragraph, then she kind of explains to us why it's so important. And part of me was like, did she need to explain that to us? I think it just really kind of underlines why all those details were so important. What I did like is that she she brought this back home at the end as well about mm-hmm. this table. I think she did need to tell us that that's, that wasn't normal because otherwise we would have thought, oh, well, that's something that she does. That's a really good point. For me, this this next part was what really drew me to the essay and what deepened it so much for me, where she kind of draws out her complicated relationship with her dad. And she's mm-hmm. so honest about it. And I found that really refreshing. I don't think I would have been drawn to the essay if it was just about a uncomplicated father-daughter relationship where the father dies. Like, yes. I feel like that's been done a million times. But this was like, it was so honest. And it really told us a lot about how even in these complicated relationships, you you do still grieve in a really deep way. Yeah. And it reminded me of, I was at a friend's parents' funeral and he gave the eulogy for his mom and, and he didn't sugarcoat things. He really mm. went into like, you know, these were things that we had trouble with. And, and it was just so different than any eulogy I'd ever heard that, you know, where you're really just singing the praises of the person. And it, and it did make it feel a lot more meaningful because, you know, even in the best of relationships, things are complicated. So like just calling that out and not, I don't want to say lying, but not kind of brushing over those difficulties. I felt like was really felt so proud of him for being able to do that. Yeah. That's interesting. Alice Block, who did one of the essays a couple of episodes ago, Lenny, she actually was thinking about writing these essays about called uh, honest obituaries. Whoa, I love <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, about what it, what people were really like, because those obituaries rarely ever mm-hmm. talk about how people actually are. People are complex. They're layered. They're not always nice. They're not always, you know, everybody loved them. And I think that she does a little bit of this here in this essay. The, the line for me, I'd once thought my father's death wouldn't bother me much. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about, the honesty there. Like, I bet a lot of people have had that feeling mm-hmm. about people in their lives that haven't really been the best relationships. So yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been there with other people's deaths that it's complicated. And, and that's what makes this a really nice essay. Another really poignant detail that she gives is when she sees her father sagging backside. I'm like, oh, it kind of, it reminds me of what she did at the beginning, which we talked about the, the swollen skin stretched paper thin in the same way, like that sagging backside really, you know, you're like, oh, he's old. Like that paints the picture. So yeah. So well of, yeah, just his, his advancing age. Yeah. The hospital gown gaping open as he sat on the bedside toilet. I mean, she does, she really paints these kind of graphic pictures that Mm -hmm. are um, maybe a little hard to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right. The bedside toilet too. that, like, obviously a sign that somebody's really sick if they can't make it to the, you know, to the regular bathroom. Yeah. The other thing that I like that she did is that she talked about him with the Bible verses and the admonitions to get right with the Lord. And I like that she didn't put a real judgment on that. I like that she, she might've gone off and said, 
I don't believe in that. I don't think that's the way you should talk to somebody, but she didn't, she just left it for us to go like, Oh wow. That's the way you talk to her. All right. Yeah. And that's, you're right. And that's interesting because I wonder, you know, neither of us are particularly religious people. Um, so I wonder how a more religious reader would take that. Like maybe they would take mm. that as like, yeah, your father should have been saying that to you. If, um, <laughs> you know, if you weren't living according to the Bible or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting what we kind of bring as readers to, to an essay. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I wanted to mention too, is that my first <laughs> knee jerk reaction to this, when, when you first asked me to read it uh, for consideration, Christine was uh, when, that she called him daddy. I mean, I really had like a, I don't know, a grown woman calling her father, daddy, or just even daddy, the word itself, you know, brings so many connotations in this culture. And I was like, why is she still calling him daddy? (laughs) But I have to say, after reading it, it, it does lend itself to us understanding this Texas family. I mean, Mm -hmm. because that's not unusual. I lived in Texas briefly and that's not unusual for people to call their father, daddy. I did when I was a kid, you know, call him dad now. Um, But I I think it was important for this essay with the Texas theme, you know, for me. I didn't have the same visceral reaction to daddy that you did, but it did, like you said, make me think of the South because as somebody who grew up in the Northeast and now lives in California, like, I don't know anybody who would call their parents daddy or mommy as an adult. So it did, it did kind of set it in a place for me. And then as we're getting to the end of the essay, I feel like she's so stark. in when she says today, I think about that man whom truth be told, I didn't like very much. And I'm like, whoa, that is so honest. Yeah. I was just really impressed with, with the honesty there. Yeah. She's not uh, glossing it over in any way. You know, he honestly sounds a bit hard to like with this picture she's painted of him, you know, that he wasn't very loving. But I really, really liked that she tried to understand him in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then you read that about him and we all have a bit of empathy for him suddenly knowing how he grew up with his father made him cut his own switches for whipping. I mean, okay you can understand. And I think we all try to do that as we write with our characters and fiction, you know, to even your worst characters, you try to give them some love, give them some reason why Mm -hmm. they are that way so that your readers can try somehow to relate. Yeah. I really love that too. And it did round him out as a character and, you know, because nobody's all good or all bad and everybody comes to the way they are you know, based on their own backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, And I think about this a lot with parenting. Like, I feel like the goal is that like each generation is doing a a little bit better than the one before, but I don't know that you can make like a huge leap from, you know, like I'm sure, well, if he thought about parenting in the way that I think about parenting, like, you know, he might've thought like, well, I'm not hitting my kids. So that's, you know, (laughs) that's huge. And that is a huge leap. Yeah. But that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that's enough. (laughs) Yes. And I like that she came to, you know, this ending, as the title suggests, to her surprise, it was something a lot like love. Mm -hmm. It is really interesting how we love our family, no matter what. I mean, even if they were awful, there's, there is some love in there. 
It's Mm -hmm. the attachments. Yeah. And I think what's been interesting to me with grieving my dad is, so we lived, I live in California. My dad was in New Jersey. It wasn't like we saw each other all that often. Um, It wasn't like he was, you know, coming over every week. And so I was like missing him there, but there's just this weird knowing of that, like your parents are somewhere in the world. And then Mm. when they're not, it's just, it's just a strange thing. Like, so then when I think about him, I think about the fact that he's not here versus, you know, kind of picturing him in his living room in New Jersey. And I feel like I wonder if she went through that as well, because I feel like the end paragraph kind of gets to that more complicated grief when you either have a complicated relationship with the person and or they're not like a everyday presence in your life. Yeah, it, I, I've thought about that a lot. I lost a really close friend a few years ago and we didn't live near each other. And I've thought about that. Like, what's the difference between her being on this earth or not in our relationship? Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't talk to her that often. I didn't see her that often. It's interesting. I find myself thinking, oh, I should tell her this next time we talk. Mm-hmm. Still years later, right? But I, I, so I see what you're saying, Christine, about like thinking about someone who has passed is different it's different. There's a finality to it. Mm -hmm. There's a moment we realize, oh, I can't ever tell them that. So you just sort of tell them anyway and wonder if they wonder if they can hear you. Um, I know. Yeah. There's, I'm forgetting the name of the movie, but it was, uh, I think it was a Pixar movie about the day of the dead, the Mexican tradition. mm -hmm. And I didn't know this about the tradition, but at least according to this movie, they were saying that the remembrance of a person is what keeps them alive. Right. And I love that as a concept you know, like you said, like, even as a non-religious person, you do kind of think like, you know, are they, do they somehow know that I'm thinking of them? Yeah. Um, I just love that idea. Your memories of a person keeps them alive in some way. I think, I think it probably does. It's a beautiful concept. So Janice, thank you so much for sharing your essay with us. This really touching reflection on your relationship with your father. Yeah. And I hope, you know, she talks about the idea that she's kind of working through the relationship through her writing. I hope that we see many more essays about this. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. See you next time. See you next time. To learn more about this podcast, visit us online at personalelementpodcast.com. There you'll find links to the essays we discussed, information on how to follow us on social media, and more. And so you'll never miss an episode, please subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast app you use. Thank you.